Welcome, welcome everyone to the Ruthenian Chronicles. Today, we will be having the second chapter in our journey. So, we hope you have fun. Chapter 2 Forever Fallen The ice shall walk down the dark path. The sleeping monster shall unleash its wrath. Third stanza in the ruler of all prophecy of the return. Belmirando sat on his wooden chair and read intently. His house, similar to the rest of his people, was a two-story house with a dome and not a flat ceiling. He was currently sitting in the kitchen and beyond it was the living room that spanned most of the first floor and beyond it was the teaching room, a small room he designed for his daughter so he could teach her things her mother didn't want her to be taught. Bill Miranda took a deep breath and grinned. The smell of the Russian soup spices always made Bill Miranda remember his life as a child. When he would return home from school to find his mother preparing him the soup, she would ask him about his day and he usually wouldn't reply because his nose would be buried in his book, not caring about anything else but the novel between his hands. Some things never change, he thought, for he was sitting in a kitchen reading a book while his wife was making him the Russian soup. He looked around, making sure his wife, Verona, wasn't in sight. He put his chair off the table and made his way across the kitchen to the stove. The kitchen's design wasn't his, of course. He left that for Verona to design. The walls of the kitchen were wooden, of course, like the rest of the house. The floor had a carpet, however, depicting the rulers of all, and above it, the long table that Belmondo was sitting on. Belmondo took the lid off the pot and grinned, the blue-colored soap smelled of rosemary and thyme, his favorite mixture. He could even see the lamb meat in it. Belmirando put the lid back on and tiptoed to the other side, discreetly opening the door to the cupboard and took a spoon. For a warrior of his age, Belmirando was stealthy. Once, in his days fighting the entrances of the land of Batria, he was called the Ice Spike. When his enemies saw him on the battlefield, they trembled. When his allies knew that the Ice Spike is fighting with them, they rejoiced, for they knew they were winning. He tiptoed back to the stove and raised the lid. He could hear the soup calling for him to take a sip. Daddy! Belmirando with simplicity pocketed the spoon and turned. His daughter, Berthia, ran to him, jumping in his arms. For a girl her size and age, she was strong. Her jumps, the way her hands moved when she held her sword, Belmirando could tell that this girl was born to be a warrior. Verona, however, disagreed. You're home early, Belmirando said, kissing the top of Berthia's head, and he took her to the living room. I thought you had cleaning duty today. Berthia laughed and said, No, silly, it was yesterday. Today is Dissardesh. And Belmirando understood her excitement. Today was the teaching room day, which meant he and her had to be stealthy for Verona not to notice. He sank down on the lush couch, Berthia on his lap, as he put his legs on the small wooden table in the middle of the living room. Berthia sat next to him and tried to copycat Belmirando, but she was too sure to do so. And besides, if Barona saw Berthia trying to copycat Belmirando in this position with her dress, Barona would strangle Belmirando, and he didn't want that. Berthia, when she discovered that she couldn't do as her father, folded her legs under her and looked at, up at him. Daddy, where the sword? You promise I... 
but Miranda put his hand on her mouth and she heard footsteps coming down the stairs. If your mother heard you saying that, you and I will be impaled with this sword, sweetie. We will have to wait till she's asleep and then we can train, okay? Berthia giggled and nodded. Verona came down and narrowed her eyes at them. What are you two plotting? Verona's long, dark brown hair was dynamic one. Her yellow eyes gleamed with curiosity as she looked from Berthia to Belmirando. She was tall, almost as tall as Belmirando himself, and she wore the blue dress he made for her, despite her protest that it wasn't good. Belmirando carried Berthia and walked to Verona, grinning. Well, she and I were planning what we will be doing for today's lesson, right? Right, Berthia grinned. She looked every inch like her mother, the sharp face, the innocent, always curious eyes, but Berthia's hair was white. As long as her mother's, yes, but as white as her father's. Belmirando, with reluctance, put Berthia down. He wanted to be holding his daughter all the time. He wanted to always be with her. But when Verona announced it was time for lunch, Belmirando remembered that he needed to shave and excuse himself. Barona objected, however, claiming that it wasn't time for that, but he had already left anyway. Staring at his reflection in the bathroom, Belmond wondered why Barona had ever married him. He was already 40 immortality cycles when the Elantrans of Ayr decided to leave this part of the land alone, and he had returned home. Barona was only 35 immortality cycles when she caught his eyes. Barona, despite her protest, had the soul of a warrior. The first time he met her, he had accidentally taken her place in a line for the bakery. She shouted at him, hitting him with her bag, and when people explained to her who he was, she hit him even harder. She said, since he had the ice bike, he can handle more. She wasn't afraid of his scars that peppered all of his face. She wasn't afraid of the eye he lost during the war. She looked him in his one eye and hit him again. He till now didn't understand if what she did was bravery or lecklessness, but he fell in love with her anyways. He looked down at his rough hands and felt bad for Berthia that she had to endure such hands to carry her and pat her. Belmirando sometimes wondered if she was ever afraid of how he looks, but she wouldn't, would she? He remembers as a child always crying whenever Belmirando had to hold, to hold her up. One time, Verona was sick and Belmirando stayed up all night rocking Berthia's crib and every time the infant opened her eyes to see Belmirando, she would cry. Belmirando shook his head. There was no time for this. And then, he heard the screams. They were so far away but he heard them clearly. Belmirando took the shaving blade aside and ran downstairs. He drew his sword from thin air and it crystallized in his hand. A second later, the crystal lattice broke. The sword's hilt was in the shape of a snowflake, and the blade was long and wide. He looked at it, his reflection mirrored on the clear metal. Barona and Berthia were in the kitchen, their eyes wide. Barona nodded. The screams. Where did it come from? Belmirando felt a slight relief at the fact that his daughter and wife were okay. He ran a hand through his short yet thick hair and said, I don't know. He was about to smith the sword when the door to his house banged. Belmirando walked there and opened it. Barawan, one of his lanky guards, stood there, his posture stiff. Sir, figures were spotted falling from the sky just outside town. What should we do? We inspect the scene, of course, Belmirando said. Go and get a small team ready. Barawan nodded and left.